Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participants, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Oh, stomping gin. Are we lightening? I don't feel very light today. No, do you feel heavy? Um, medium amount. Yeah. Episode 83. 83. Oh my God. Could you believe that we got here? Do you believe that we got here? 83 episodes? It is hard to believe when this little project started out almost two years ago. It's crazy. That we would be here at episode 83. So on this show, we have two very interesting guests joining us. Mm -hmm. They are Lindsay and Matt Baird. They are the owners of Oak and Ash Farm and Distillery in <laughs> Belchertown. Oak and Ash Farm, Farm and, and Distillery. Distillery in Belchertown, Massachusetts. They come and that's them calling us. Now. Let's see if we can get them online. Hi. Is Hi. Lindsay and Matt. It is, it yep. Is. Hello. Hi. We were just introducing you. <laughs> Well, hello. Sorry about that. We, uh, my phone goes on do not disturb after eight o'clock because I like to try to be in bed. Well, I used to try to be in bed, but it doesn't happen anymore. Because you are smart people and (laughs) you know how to make technology work for you. So Mm -hmm. that is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's not the case with that. (laughs) Yeah, well, so... Um, you came just into the part of the show where I'm going to play our introduction bumper. So hopefully you'll hear this, and after that we'll begin chatting you up. Is that okay? Sounds good to me. Yeah, okay, so just hold tight. We'll be right back. <laughs> Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. <laughs> All right. No creep. Yep, don't be afraid. There's no creepy trucks here. Just two creepy podcast hosts. <laughs> Very exciting. Yeah. Well, Lizzie's afraid of clowns. I am terrified of clowns, but I'm not oh. afraid of that's, that's for sure. It's not a thing that I've experienced much of in my life. I grew up in the woods, so I, I'm not really familiar with the sound. I am going to run to the bathroom and wash off my clown makeup. Good thing we did not do... <laughs> the good, Zoom call. Good thing we did not do our Zoom call. All right, yeah, well, that would be good. Yeah, well, prior um, to you both calling, and thank you for joining us, I was just introducing you... Lindsay and Matt Baird as the owners and operators of Oak and Ash Farm and Distillery in Belchertown, Massachusetts. And we are very excited to speak with you this evening. We're continuing Stomping Jen. 
our series of talking to interesting people in our community. <laughs> right? Oh, feel- well, it's better than uninteresting people. That's right. Yeah, no, I feel I'm that's a great start. <laughs> and, that's right. And these two stomping Jen, they fit the bill. That's true. They You're- really do. Yes. So um, now <clears throat> typically what we do at the start of the show is we just do a little news segment. Uh, but I want to check in with you both first, live here. Well, we're not actually broadcasting, but we're recording. But I want to check in with you to see what your um, how much time you have this evening. Because if you let us, we'll spend hours. We'll spend hours with you. So if you say <laughs> we only have an hour, then we'll make it an hour. So uh, you tell I us. Mean, until my drink runs out. <laughs> okay. How fast do you drink? Yeah. <laughs> go. Well, at the moment. Depends how the questions go. Yeah, it depends on how the questions go. Okay. Depends on how, how what the day has been like. Yes. Okay. All right. So we won't we won't plan for an epic yes. um, session. <laughs> this here. is not time for the epic. Okay. Soft serve podcast. We'll yeah, like, we'll appetize it today, and then maybe we'll come back for an epic one later. Yeah. All right. Sounds okay. Good. All right. Yeah, and I can talk, but believe it or not, Matt can probably talk, out-talk me. So. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll, we'll put that to the test. We'll see. I have questions <laughs> aimed, I think, at different parts of what you guys are doing. So mm-hmm. I think you'll have questions for both of you. Um, so I was looking, I was going through materials online. He did some research. I was doing what he's research. trying to say. <laughs> and Stomping Jen was like, did you talk to them? How do you know how to ask yeah. all these questions? That's not what I said. I said, how do you know these things about them? And I said, I research <laughs> things, Stomping Jen. I know things about people. Uh, so uh, He's now familiar that? with the intimate details of your lives. Yes. <laughs> yep. Only, but only those things available on, on, the, in, on the social media. On, oh, on the internet. yeah so we should be safe all right so i'm gonna play believe it or not one more little bumper this is our news bumper we didn't thank all the people oh go ahead so So i will just also point out how dare i miss that please one of the things that we've been doing at the beginning of the podcast is just thanking everybody during we're in the midst of this pandemic so we have to give a shout out to all of the first responders and supply chain Mm -hmm. workers that um, are driving trucks, working in grocery stores and healthcare pharmacy. workers. Yep, healthcare workers, teachers. Teachers. Who else? Stomping job. I don't know. I always run out of the people. To you think. forget every week the, the most podcasters. Thank you. <laughs> the entertainers. <laughs> the most important people. The podcasters. The podcasters. Now, what's strange, I think I mentioned this before, I'll make this brief, is podcasting has seen a decline in um, downloads and in participation on the listener side. That's mostly because people aren't driving as much. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Most people listen to podcasts uh, to and from um, their way to work. Yeah, Yeah. on their commute. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but we're still doing it. We're still putting stuff out there, trying to, to talk to the people. And we're doing okay. Yeah, we're doing fine. We're doing fine. Yeah. All right. So... Before we're going to roll into our little news section now, and okay. then we'll do a little, little, we'll do a brief little <laughs> news segment. Then we'll talk to Lindsay and Matt. But we're going to do a news segment with them. I All mean. right, press the button. Okay, stop talking. Oh my god, oh, wrong thing. He loves to hear himself talk. I do. 
<laughs> it's a condition of the occupation. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. That's not foreboding at all, is it? No, stomping it's Jen? not. People screaming. All right. Yep. You mentioned before stomping Jen and Lindsay and Matt. We are in a pandemic. This is week 10 of our quarantine here in the state of Massachusetts. I can't believe that. I know not everybody is quarantined. But we still are, right, Stomping Jen? Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So There's a new um, level thing going around the social media. Have you seen this? No. What's the level? Like, level zero is, like, you don't leave your house for anything. You have everything delivered to you. You don't go outside and do anything with anybody. What level are we at? Um, I think we're, like, around a level two. Where, um, Lindsay and Matt, hearing Stomping Jen's description of the level, are you at a level zero or are you at something else? Well, we're, we've been at a, I feel like we lived our lives at level zero. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, but we're we're both working, so. Yeah, Yeah. we both are essential workers, um, more so than I, Mm -hmm. but we otherwise are limiting exposure in every other way, and I'm still, like, I'm getting stuff delivered, and, you know, it's fine, but yeah, we're, other than that, going to work. And me going to work one day a week, we're just yeah, staying with our with our weans. Yeah, <laughs> and you've got you've got a um a, a, brood. a, a brood of of young ones there <laughs> with you, ones. super young kids. We have a brood of so many things. We're we're parents on so many levels. We have mm-hmm. so many pets, mm-hmm. so many plants and animals and people to take care of. Yeah. And how how are you doing as we go into week 10 of this? And you mentioned you're both essential workers, so you're having to be out there working. And how are you hanging in there? You doing okay? Yeah, we're good. We're so busy up here, too. Like, it's, it's not much time to get distracted, you know, by that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. Right. Life. We're distraction at this point. <laughs> life on the farm, if I'm hearing you, doesn't offer um, much time for idle thought there's a lot to do to keep you busy yep yeah especially this time here yeah Yeah. we got got a bunch of projects going on and we're really uh now we got our our goals as to where we're we're headed in the next couple of years so we're really uh knuckling down on that making uh our best of our time right now up here Mm -hmm. now stomping jen how are you doing me? Yeah, we With the ten. quarantine? Yeah, and you had, we talked last week about how you were diagnosed with shingles. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and you started some medicine. How are you doing? I did. Um, I'm on the mend. Um, it never got quite as painful as people told me it was going to get, so I think we caught it early enough in time. Yeah. So I'm thankful for yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but obviously I've been under <laughs> some amount of subconscious stress because... <laughs> Uh, shingles. You think the stress brought out the shingles? Yeah. Yeah. So. How are you doing otherwise with this quarantine? Um, you know, it's a minute by minute endeavor, day by day, hour by hour. Yeah. 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 I think um all of the uh the stuff that Lindsay's got us into bread baking and she's been doing <laughs> soap making and she. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She gives us plenty of inspiration uh, on our little group chats and things. Yep. Now, I will report, 
along the lines of news. Yes. One thing this week, we won't we won't spend a lot of time on this. You yeah. stomping Jen cut my hair and our son's <laughs> hair, Ted. I did. Yeah. We uh I went to CVS. Mm-hmm. I got a $28 Conair hair home kitting cutting kit hair clippers. Okay. <laughs> and uh Ted was the guinea pig. He went first. Yes. But he wanted his like normal haircut. That right. the barbers give him. <laughs> so uh, I gave him some semblance of that. I feel you did a really good job on his. Yeah, because you allowed me to do your hair after. And you said. And, his hair. Yeah, and you said afterwards, I look like Poindexter. No, 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 no. That's, that's no, what you said. I didn't say that. It is what you said. I said something else. What did you say? It wasn't Poindexter. No, you did. You said you look like Poindexter. No, I didn't. Yeah. But I asked for a Viking hairdo. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but instead you gave me a Poindexter no, hairdo. No, it was Thank just you. the way that it was falling. Okay. Don't you do it. How does it look now? It looks great. Okay. Especially with that Viking beard bead that you have in the middle of your beard. <laughs> Thank you. I thought I saw a bead in the picture, yep. but I wasn't certain if my eyes were playing tricks on me. Yeah, yep. this one is from... I'm I sorry. ordered... I ordered this one from Norway. I have another one coming this week, um, mm-hmm. Lindsay and Matt, from Poland. Oh, Polish beads. Yeah, this one is made out of silver, and it's much bigger. I don't <laughs> even want to tell you what I spent on this stupid beard bead. <laughs> you guys should, um, you should, you should pull shipping, because Matt's always getting like strange wood carving tools that come in suspicious-looking packages from Poland. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. They must have very. Oh, I'm definitely on Sarah's watch. Yeah. One day, uh, one day, some some like personal vehicle shows. I'm not even a delivery truck. Like a jeep. And just a soft top jeep. And, and dump some packages wrapped in like a black trash bag and duct tape. And Lindsay's like, I thought there was a bomb on the steps. <laughs> like, oh no, it's a new uh, gouge, whatever lumber. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I um. Yeah, yeah. Ukraine. Yeah. Ukraine. <laughs> what, were, what were you ordering from the Ukraine? Wood? No, it's like tools. wood carving tools. Oh, wood carving tools. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's a great, uh, they really uh, they make good tools. Kharkov Forge, I think it's called. Yeah. Oh and a few other things. Yeah, they have a, it's interesting. I've been shopping for the specific kind of bead I want of, uh-huh. a, of a specific <laughs> diameter. They only seem to make these things overseas. Like there seems to be these craftspeople mm-hmm. who are not here in the United States, states who specialize in like th- this type Beard of beads. metallurgy where they make these things. Smithing. Yeah. It's really interesting. <laughs> so you have to order them um, uh, internationally. There you go. There's a business opportunity right here. In Massachusetts, no beard bead <laughs> metal smithing. You can just be an importer. Just be an importer of yeah. uh, beard. Oh, there you go. Mm, that's an interesting <laughs> angle. Yeah, I feel like I would want to get in. shipping when that orders strange tools. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff you're making there on your farm, but maybe we can get into the exporting business together Import, too. Import. I don't want to just be an importer. You want to be an importer yeah. exporter? It was yeah. that, um, that was a Seinfeld, Seinfeld episode. <laughs> yes. Vandalay. Yeah. Vandalay. Importer exporter. This feels very deja vu-y. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. 
um, whatever I was going to say, Stomping Jen, is this. Yes. I don't see a lot of people With rocking beards. the beards yeah. to the to the degree I am around here. So I don't think it would be a good business <laughs> to get into. I think the people who have beards like you right. are into different uh, interests than you have. Remember what when we went, Remember when we went to the Slayer concert? Yeah. And everybody at the Slayer concert was coming up to you and was like, yeah, you have that an was, amazing beard, and they was, all thought you were part of the Slayer tribe. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, apparently I'm part of the Slayer tribe. I know where I should go to blend in. The Slayer concerts. Apparently. Yes. That's the place. Well, like Iceland or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe Greenland. Yeah, meanwhile, I've never, never listened to a Slayer concert all the way through before going to this this particular show. You mean an album? An album, never, yeah. a song before I went to this concert. <laughs> it was something else. Yeah. Fun times at the Slayer concert. Yeah. All right, so... We should talk to Matt about what he's importing, these amazing tools and what he's using them I'm for. I'm going to. Oh, okay. We're transitioning right. into that part of the conversation, Stomping Jen. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for the... Transition? The inelegant transition. Inelegant? Oh, yes. sorry. Was that very abrupt? Yeah. He calls out his, uh, his tactic. <laughs> it's my job to move him along on the agenda. Yeah, that's true. I will just keep talking. <laughs> All right. So what I want what I wanted to start off with, we're going to talk about your farm. I want to ask a little, for a little bit of description from the both of you about your farm. Tell us what your farm is What's about what there? you're doing up there. We're interested. So we bought this piece of land and built a house here and we knew we wanted to do some type of farm. And so we've been here for five and a half years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, initially we really didn't know what direction we wanted to go. So fortunately we made the right decision that we knew we wanted the apple trees. They take time. So we, we put them in. Um, we're going to like year four with some of those. So we'll start producing now. Um, we've added a peach uh, orchard in, raspberries. Christmas trees. Yeah, we got Christmas trees growing. Again, that's like a 10-year rotation, so good thing those are like on year four with the oldest ones. So we, we kind of jumped the gun on, on those early enough and got them going. But I, I feel like this year, or maybe even last year, we kind of settled in and figured out what we really wanted to do. Um, as far as the farm inside, obviously he introduced us as, <laughs> distillery too but that's kind of on hold right now for a, a number of reasons mm-hmm. but uh that's still the long-term goal so i, I won't let it back i will have my no <laughs> i think we, we kind of restructured that plan a little bit we can get into that a little later but uh the big thing we decided we're just gonna we're gonna do a market garden up here mm-hmm. and i've been really busy clearing land for that because uh, well, if you're gonna start a farm, I probably recommend doing it the way we're doing. Just go, <laughs> just go buy a field somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> farm from scratch is—I mean, literally from scratch. Everything from Matt clearing the land before the house was built to now is—it's such an insane amount of work. It's not what people think. It's not a walk-on job. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're buying a farm that's already established and right. you have a small property. You have to be very strategic about what you do with that land if you're going to farm it and make sure that you're not, you know, we could clear cut all seven and a half acres, but is that the most efficient use of the property? And is that good for the environment? No. So 
way Matt is doing it, I mean, using everything from the trees that he's clearing as lumber for the barn and the buildings that we're putting on the property, you know, it's like zero waste, basically. We're chipping the, the brush, and that's going to go in the path on our no-dig garden. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just very efficient, and it's like how farming used to be done before it became like huge and commercialized. Yeah, and I, I, and I hear you. I hear you both talking about how much work it is, and I want to go back to kind of that initial decision when you were thinking about doing this and embarking on this journey. Like, what made you decide you wanted to try this out to to buy seven acres and build a house there and turn it into a a farm that you lived on? I'm really curious. I'm really curious, like how you make that decision <laughs> how did you make your life decisions basically honestly i think it comes down to matt's idea of fun is working like he literally doesn't mm-hmm. know how his off time is like for funsies he's <laughs> just creating more work for himself and like i i worked at a farm i worked at davis farmland which is like a, a children's farm and it's a great place and i learned a lot i also learned i did not want to keep on because it's just an insane amount of work mm-hmm. um and we had a huge, I had a lot of property growing up and we had like a huge family garden, but we weren't a farm. We didn't, again, we didn't keep animals. Um, and I knew how much work they were, but we, I also grew up in the middle of the woods and I loved it. And we both just really wanted that. Like, we're just not, we are just not city people. Yeah. And you, remotely, it just made sense to do something with our land. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it came to be. I don't know. That's so, my version. Okay, so this, so this, so this isn't a situation where you know you both grew up like like you just said in the city, and you always dreamed about you know we're gonna move to the country and be homesteaders. Need a lot and, of peaches, right? Need a lot of peaches. <laughs> good song, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and you mentioned before that you're growing. Um, a di- different kinds of orchards on your land and Christmas trees and um, berries. Instead, yeah, so, it, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so the, the new direction we've kind of come to in this whole thing driving the American garden, it's just like, uh, I think our plan is next year, as long as everything stays on track, we're going to open it up to like a five or 10 family CSA. And eventually down the road, I'd like to be like an all-inclusive part of your CSA. You get a Christmas tree, you know, things you don't get usually have CSA in them. You can get a Christmas tree, cut cut it your own. A thank you farm-to-table dinner. Um, We do maple syrup in the winter, so obviously you get a couple bottles of maple syrup, and then it'll roll into our spring growing season, and have fruit and vegetables and whatever we can provide up here. But it has to be pretty small. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't want them. Like I said, I think next year we might try to do like five to ten families just just to get it rolling. So mm-hmm. that's definitely uh, doable for us in the foreseeable future. That's yeah, and if we ever do a cafe going, mm-hmm. I'd like to supply, you know, we can shift the focus a little bit, but potentially still keep it where we still have a small CFA um, and kind of diversify a little bit. Um, but I love the idea of supplying a lot of the the greens, if nothing else, from from our market garden. Mm-hmm. Now, will, will your trees be push, yeah. pushing out fruit? Do you think next year? Or are they are they that old? Are they are 
Are they too young uh, for that? Yeah. yeah. A couple of peaches that did well last year, but I, I think to really put it out as a to market it, it it's still a couple of years out. Um, I just had a few more this year, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, the apples are just coming around the bend where this year or next year they'll probably start seeing some decent crops. So. I think one thing we had up here was a lack of pollinators too. So yeah, we have new babies. Yeah, I have. A, I definitely have questions for you about your bees <laughs> a little bit later. I'm going to ask you about that. Um, don't ask this too much because we probably like don't. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're amateurs. We're new parents. We'll hold yeah. that till we study. But yeah, we, we end up getting some bees and bees and uh, some other bees. Stock pollinators. But so, we do have an abundance of berries. That's kind of one of the things that we done very well with um we actually have raspberry canes from my parents yard so i grew up with these raspberries and they're ever bearing and i literally like you can pick raspberries into november mm-hmm. um so for not a lot of space that they take up we just we pump out raspberries like nobody's business we also have wild blueberries that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think the bees are really going to start to push a little bit more so i think that's part of the csa we're looking to do is really like Whatever we can produce, we want to share it with yeah with our members and just kind of give you a little bit of whatever we have, basically. Yep. Now, your bees, I'll, I'll ask you about them now, <laughs> um, since we were chatting about them. You ordered, this was amazing to me. I had no idea you could do this. I saw that you ordered them in the mail and you were storing them temporarily in your um, beverage refrigerator. Yes. You, you yep, can... So yeah, yeah, the the mason bees, so they're not honeybees. Uh, what we call honeybees are actually European bees. So these mason bees are native to North America. Pollinators, blue orchard mason bees. We also ordered leaf cutters, which was kind of like we basically like split parenting duties. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Matt had done the research on the mason bees, and I was like, "Oh, there's leaf cutter bees that are a summer bee." And uh, he's like, "Well, that's your thing. You, you're going to have to figure that out." So I, I kind of ordered them in prematurely and then they like showed up in the mail and I was kind of like, oh shit, I need to learn more about them. And I actually watched an hour long webinar and I became very emotionally attached to my bees like immediately. So you, um, so you stick them in the fridge until you figure out what you're going to do with them? They can just sit there and be okay that way? Yeah, they're dormant. So um, they are, the larva is kind of like overwintering them mm-hmm. basically because they haven't started to activate, so to speak. Okay. Um, they fine. Um, next year when I harvest them, I'll just keep them in like the garage or something. It's somewhere that's cool, but not basically you want to like stagger it. So leaf cutter bees are not native. They're actually European, but they're summer pollinators and blue orchard mason bees are spring pollinators. So they pollinate for about six weeks and then just about the time they're finishing up, that's usually when the leaf cutters will come out. But they need like really hot weather. They need like lots of you know. Yeah, the leaf cutters do. Now, do they have so, to, do they have to live in separate hives? No, they prefer smaller holes mm-hmm. because they're really tiny bees. Um, so they're like six millimeter houses. And after watching this webinar, I like basically skewed all the information I found in Matt, like, oh, this and this and this and this, we should do this and this. And he went down and fabricated a house. And one of the things he did was make uh, trays for them so that it's easier and safer to take that apart. 
so when you put them, he made like channels in the wood mm-hmm. and then stacked them together to a six millimeter tube. And they start at the back of the tube and they, um, they start with little tiny bits of leaves. They, they cut little holes in the leaves and they start to make a cocoon and then they sew it with pollen and then they lay an egg and then they cap it off with more leaves and they make this adorable little cocoon mm-hmm. and then they just keep them out of the tube. And they can, they can totally coexist in the same house, even if they are pollinating at the same time, because they basically don't recognize each other's pheromones and they're solitary bees and they're unaggressive huh. and they're, there's no hierarchy. So every female is a queen, which is amazing. I love that. That's a world <laughs> I want to live in. <laughs> I know, right? It's very progressive. Yeah. <laughs> we should all strive um, to be like leaf cutters. <laughs> we should all strive to be bees. And, I, um, and so, yeah, they can just chill on their own. And then you can, you take the, the channels out and then in the fall, you harvest the cocoons and you can make sure that they're safe and no other pests have gotten in there. You can get rid of any other things and then you just keep them dormant until they're ready to start again. Okay. So you can, you can overwinter them like the European honeybees, but you can just like, you can take, you take them out of their little boxes and put them back in the fridge for the winter. You can, or yeah. you can leave them in the shed. Or... They actually just recommend leave them anywhere, like an unheated garage or shed, something that kind of just mimics the outdoor environment. And oh, and then you kind of just put them out like the mason bees. They don't start emerging until it's like 50 degrees. So actually, that package came the other day, and, and both sets of bees came at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, oh, you ordered those already, too? And she's like, yep. So... Uh, she started taking her thing out to see what was in the package. So I'm like, all right, let's see what's in my box. So I opened the box up, and then uh, it had a little foil pack, and they, they shipped it with an ice pack, too, to keep the food and dormant. But yeah. as soon as I opened it, one of them flew out. So I'm like, all right, we're going to go throw it back in the fridge. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. Now, we didn't make, we hit it exactly right. Like, Matt ordered them at exactly the right time, because this is, like, their time to shine. And we had tons of wild blueberry blossoms, and I, like, I, Sincerely hope they're having a grand old time for themselves. But they, we put them out in the house. Matt made a house the next day, and I took footage of these little baby bees being born. And they have these two fuzzy faces, and they've got little white lips, Aww. little white nose. And um, I was like super emotional about it. I was like, don't leave. I mean, <laughs> did you post that? I haven't seen that. I have to, you know, no, I'm not yeah. good with and I have to like edit the video and like do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm when, learning here, so. <laughs> yeah, and when and when you think about it, why wouldn't you be emotional, right? These little critters are tied in in, in a small and maybe even a big way to you know About your ecosystem to, to your ecosystem and the success of what you want to do there on your farm. You know, they're well, like, then even so, what a honey like I'm not super up on bees, but I think honeybees have like what? You didn't watch the one there. Two mile radius or something, mm-hmm. right? They have like, oh, like a three mile radius, but the blue orchids, those are RBs. Like they don't have, they don't stray far from home. They go like a hundred yards from the, their nesting spot. So if they, yeah. if they stay where, where we want them to be and where we put it, the house out, like they'll do a hundred yard radius around there and hit all my trees and everything yeah. in that area. So they're like, so well, like cool. these are RBs. As long as yeah. they stay here, they're ours. Yeah. yeah. 
and they don't. Maybe the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want slutty bees. That's the last thing you want. Um, so all the bees are great, but you know, they don't make honey though. You, they won't produce anything like that. So they're not aggressive. It, it keeps them less. Like they're be well, they're actually more efficient pollinators when you read up on it because then they're not, or they're better pollinators because they're sloppy and they're not efficient. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. so they, they don't pollen for any other purpose rather than just they put it in their nest and they line it and that's so they have a eat when they're waiting to emerge. So when they're overwintering or whatever, they're eating that pollen. Yeah. <gasps> oh, we, we lost, lost them. them. Uh oh. Should we try calling them back? Uh huh. Okay, hold on. Um, I think... Is it us or them? Uh, I don't think it's us. Hello, oh. you've reached Lindsay Baird hey. at 508. Yeah, don't uh, leave. Oh, oh. You, are you still there? Um, yeah, no, we lost you. I don't know what happened. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's okay. okay. Yeah, no worries. Now um, I'm going to go make more drinks, so I'll see if I can fill you in. It's because I'm an expert as I've watched <laughs> a webinar. Yeah, um, and I'm... I'm fa- basically, like, oh. honeybees are great because they produce honey, but they are very vulnerable to pests, all kinds, like bears and, you know, all kinds of things that want to get in and get the honey. We've got enough to do without making honey. That was the real decision. Like, Yeah, we don't need yeah. to be, like, they're also, like, they're kind of divas, and they require a lot of time and energy, and um, you don't have we that. just need to be, <laughs> we don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. we knew we needed pollinators and we knew we needed something that was low maintenance. So other than just making sure that they have like the, the mason bees need, um, they're ma- they're called mason bees because they need mud. They need clay to make their holes. So the leaf cutter bees use little leaf cocoons and mm-hmm. the mason bees use mud and they have like a very particular kind of clay that you need. So we ordered the clay. Oh, okay. Um, and you dig a hole and you just like, the clay in it. You just need to make sure that it's like stays moist so they can, you know, do what they need to do with it. But other than that, they just kind of, they do their thing. Do you put the clay and near they, their nest? Like, how do they find it? Can they just smell it? They must smell it. Um, I didn't watch my webinar on Mason bees. I watched some leaf cutter bees. <laughs> <The> leaf cutter <laughs> bees. No. Um, I'm a leaf cutter bees expert. Um, you better watch me. I'll end up like naming them all. Aww. Yeah, I have a friend who um, last year or year two years ago started raising European honeybees. I really want to get them on here to talk about that. And one of the mm-hmm. things they talk about is how much work it is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and I learned from them that they weren't native. I like always thought yeah, bees European. were native here. So I think it's a I think it's fascinating and a great thing that you picked native pollinators for your farm yeah well, half native yeah. but i mean we do have a lot of native pollinators um most native bees are actually so of the entire bee kingdom only 10 percent use a hierarchy system like honeybees the rest like 90 percent of them like certain wasps and things like that um use hierarchy but most of them are solitary bees, which means they're gentle and they just live in the ground and they just kind of do their thing. And then you actually need wasps, you need predators. Some of them are actually beneficial. They'll eat aphids and things like that. Um, they're scary and terrifying. And I don't mm-hmm. like them, but um, they do have their place. 
And what we're basically trying to do, and we built the house to, like, we're going to end up with all kinds of things building nests in that, in that house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they're going to build cocoons in there. Um, and that's why it's important to harvest your larva to make sure that you're like separating it out. And like, we can just put those back outside and they can do their thing. Um, but you know, we're just concerned with taking our, taking our babies and keeping them separate and safe. Mm-hmm. But like, we've got tons of honeybees up here buzzing around. There's, we were out looking at the blueberries that were in like the last of the evening sun. So it was still warm over there. And we had just tons of wild blueberries growing in. And there must've been like 30 different pollinators just mm. buzzing around. I found like one blue mason bee and I got excited, but the rest of those are just things that are just doing their job. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. If you have enough, like if you have a diverse ecosystem, if you have a lawn that isn't treated, mm-hmm. um, all of those things are really good for your pollinators because you can't just rely on like, Hey, I have some fruit trees and that only bloom this short period of time. Like that's not enough to feed your bees. Right. So our lawn has tons of Dutch clover in it, which is a nitrogen fixer, but it's also really good for the bees. We have tons of, like I said, wild blueberries. We've got this like creeping little yellow, like daisy cup flower. So they've got, they're in their glory. The, the clover hasn't quite come up yet, but as soon as it does, I think our whole yard's just going to be like, you know, yeah, like heaven. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't have a farm, but we don't do anything really. I mean, I think it, at one point, whoever built the house we live in probably put grass seed down somewhere, yeah. but it's like mostly like, I don't know, like that purple clover stuff. And Those are, yeah, they're weeds. They're weeds, but, but we don't, yeah, but what, they're them. green. Like, yeah. yeah, we don't kill them or anything. Yeah, but like um, to your back to your earlier point, though, we don't treat our lawn or do anything. I just let it. Whatever grows there, grows there, and we, you know, I chop it I down mean, every two weeks. Yeah, and that's like that's important because what happens is if you have a lawn that is so, say you have a lawn that isn't like a mix of ours is a like a mix of native grasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had to reseed it several times. We're also fighting Japanese beetles um, that are going to wreak havoc on our plants as well. So those need to die quickly and efficiently. <laughs> um, but there are natural ways to treat that. We just sprayed with nematodes, um, and we'll put some milky spore in in the fall. And you can seed your lawn. That's always great. Yeah. But like you just if you don't if you have like an overtreated lawn and you just have like just plain blades of grass you end up creating bee deserts, like pollinator deserts. So it's like the equivalent of them flying across the desert trying to find some flowers. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now you mentioned, you mentioned you have lots of berries, like raspberries and blueberries. And how do you, how do you keep out the larger critters that are coming like through? The birds. The, the birds bird, like well, teams. birds, moose, moose, deer, right? Well, you're far. <laughs> no, you're, we do have a yeah, your farm borders like kind of deep, deep woods, right? I mean, there are. Quabbin is behind us, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got like a hundred something acres of coal's lumberland behind us, too. But um, I've always been surprised we don't get much bear activity. Like, actually, last year was the first time I saw any bear activity yeah. up here in five years. They ripped uh, the lid off one of our uh, composters. Okay. That was great. Um. But we also have Matt's work dog, and I swear that deters a lot of mm. 
thing. Like we had a we had like a resident fox when we moved in. We named her Boots. She was mm-hmm. super cute. She had black, you know, she was like an orange fox. Oh, you guys know you have foxes. Yep, yep, yeah, we have foxes. Yeah. Um, so we just, I don't know. We've never really, who yeah. knows? Maybe as more stuff coming thanks, in. But. Thanks. You just jinxed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, we have a dog. We have a dog that patrols our yard and we don't get, we don't get, we don't get bears or anything. We do have the foxes, but they they're are at the border of the, they're nested property. beyond the perimeter of our electric fence and <laughs> just out of reach. Well, this is, this is, the first year that I think we've had a set of cubs make it to the point point Kids. of independence. Kids. Yeah. Kits. Not cubs. Not, yeah, we saw them yesterday. They were just kinda like hanging out behind our shed and they're like the size of like really big cats now. Yeah. Um Yeah, they've got their red color and they're just hanging out and they know they know our dog can't get at them. So they just kinda sit there and look they at her. Yeah, yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. Um, so woodworking, and he built a bee house. This one, yeah. Oh yeah, that was like a three second, yeah. a three second <laughs> thing. Yeah, but they said it was a tiny little bee house, oh, like okay. a box. Oh, because they don't. It's, it's not like a hive. Even a box yeah, is it's impressive. A bird house. It was like whatever. It's like a foot tall and ten mm-hmm. inches wide, eight inches deep, or something like that. So that, that was just a little more than that. And Two cups of coffee, type of thing. Yeah. yeah, but but you mentioned before that you Built the do house. do this do this woodworking. You ordered some special tools from Poland and the Ukraine, and I have seen firsthand you making these wooden spoons, mm-hmm. and I think it's very impressive. I I never could. I don't think I could do something like that without. Like Lindsay pregnant, what do I do in the evening when everybody goes to bed project? That literally just became like a thing that he went down in the basement and did instead of watching TV or like YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sadly, I haven't, yeah, I really wanted to get into more of that this year. And then, uh, I was, I was doing that, uh, timber frame. So that, mm-hmm. that yeah. became into that night. So I was cutting what, what you want to read, I could haul in posts, you know, like huge <laughs> posts down. All right, let's bring them inside yeah. where it's warm because I'm feeling dead of wet there. Yep. And I, so I, when I did into the shop, I carried into the shop and, and cut all the joinery there. So I didn't, I haven't done much spoon or bowl carving or any of that stuff this year, really, to speak of. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the sugar frame pavilion or uh, the timber frame sugar pavilion, because as impressed as I was with the spoons, right, <laughs> I was watching on your on your um, Oak and Ash Farm and Distillery Facebook page, you were posting pictures and I think some videos of the progress of this um, this um, sugar pavilion you built out of trees you cut he down yourself. You hewed the trees. I could not believe this. I am right? so they impressed. Right, came from your property, right? Yeah. Yeah, they came from here, and then uh, I, I chainsaw milled them up into big timbers, and then most all the joinery was cut by hand. Um, I, I, that was my first one I built, and I read a book about it. And I've been woodworking my whole life, so that's mm-hmm. that's the discipline we're here too. I, I grew up. My family's all carpenters. I grew up building houses, so okay. I do have a background of that since since I can basically walk. But <laughs> all right. So you have you have a you have a 
you have a woodworking a, in I, your I, blood a highly honed baseline skill set but yes. still i mean i yeah i, <laughs> I, I vacuum the house and my back is sore for two days i i, I just <laughs> this these I'm telling our listeners, you've got to go on their Facebook page and look at these pictures of this thing that Matt built. It's amazing. And uh-huh. it actually made maple syrup this year, right? Well, it didn't no. make it. They made it. We made it, but we made it like next to the shack, which was kind of okay. ironic. Uh-huh. It wasn't quite- well, the, the worst part about that whole thing was, was basically building that thing and erecting it during sugar season. So I, it rendered my, so I have like a maple arch. So, a maple evaporator, or actually, whatever you want to call it, that's built that the thing was built over because I was already there in the woods, and uh, basically rendered it useless. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, like with our two propane burner mm-hmm. and like a like a MacGyvered restaurant pan, which is how we started. I mean, that's how Matt started doing this, and like off to the side next to it, and it was just it was very ironic. We like we hand walk all of the buckets and everything. So mm-hmm. we don't, we don't run lines or anything like that. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't tap a ton of trees, but so we hand walk all the, the buckets and stuff, um, which is kind of more fun. Basically, we just think anything that can make something more work is mm-hmm. just more fun. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> now, are you going to be able to use this um, sugar pavilion you built next year? Yep. So that's the whole thing. I was hoping to get it up and running by the end of the season. Of course, then, uh, the weather didn't cooperate, and we came out of sugar season pretty quick. Yeah. It was, like, yeah. kind of spread. Got warm And then uh, the, the trees all broke buds, so they started to the buds the break. Yeah. So that's, that's when you uh, that's when you got to pull your taps. Yeah. It'll actually taste, taste bad then. But, uh, yeah, so short sugar season, we got it up, and, yeah, next year uh, we'll be able to hook up a sap underneath there and, get out of the weather and that was the big thing was just kind of we wanted a place to store our firewood keep all of our sap under there mm-hmm. and the big thing was get out of the rain because I've been out there doing a boil especially like the year prior year when I had it just exposed and you start out and it's a it's an all day and mm-hmm. never know if you're going to do yeah. a, big, a big boil so you start out in the morning you're like alright we're pretty good and the afternoon rolls around and you're like that's boiling it and things are going pretty good and then it starts raining and you're like, really? Mm-hmm. I want to finish this out here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we have... We it's have also the- not conducive to, like, sobriety in any way. <laughs> like, you basically have to start thinking when you start boiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Water boil, essentially. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we have these friends we went to go visit and they, I think they kind of do amateur kind of sap making. They just, on their wood stove, have a big cast iron pot and they just periodically pour sap into pour it. Pour sap into it. Just let it boil down over like their wood stove. On their wood stove. It was pretty cool to watch. Um, That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So are you going to, at some point, uh, you're going to sell the syrup to people in town or wherever? We bought some. We did? Yeah. yeah we did this year. I mean, we just, we sell whatever we produce. It's like, it's not a ton, but we also, not this year, we didn't do it because we kept saying like, oh, we'll do it the next batch and it never came to be. But we actually made chaga syrup. And oh. if you don't know what chaga is, 
it's a thing and like it has like a cult following and mm-hmm. we were like it was amazing like it was Matt's idea he's like what if we just like what if we put some chaga in this syrup mm. and I was like he can't do that and then we did and then we tried it and we were like this is dope <laughs> we're yeah. like we need to get some masses yeah. and we have non-related related uh, family up in Vermont their mm-hmm. farm which is ironic. So they're not related, but they have the same last name. And we actually checked in when we went up to Vermont a couple of years ago. And the daughter was just in the process of taking it over. And we met her and, and had a nice chat with her. So we become friends with, with this, uh, this girl. And they have like, they have like 7,000 trees that they uh, have. It's like a, yeah, like 11,000 taps up there. Yeah. Oh, they wow. have insane. God. They're a whole different level. That's their livelihood. Yeah. You know, they're all online. They're not out hand collecting those. Like no. she took us down to the pump house there, and there was like a four inch, three or four inch line running into it, and the thing was just gushing like a river. Yeah, oh, and it wow. was like you were at like a like a sewer treatment plant. I hate to say that, but like yeah. it was like an entire like their evaporator takes up an entire barn. Like it's wow. huge. So believe it or not, a lot of Vermont maple syrup is like a conglomeration. So it's just not lucrative enough, or it's just it's expensive and it's a lot of work. So usually like big giant processing facilities will buy the land or even just not the land, but they'll just buy the rights to tap a farm, you know, a small yeah. farm tree and they're collecting it from all over and they're just pouring it all in one, okay. you know, evaporator, mm-hmm. which is totally fine. But every property has like, it's all going to taste a little bit different for right. each farm. And like, we don't, like about half of our trees are sugar maples, but we have all our maples and they're not all sugar maple. No, they're mostly red and silver maples. Can you make maple syrup out of red and silver maples? Yeah, that's what we do. Oh, yeah, wow. all it is, your, your sugar content is a little lower. So the mm-hmm. sugar content of sugar maple is higher. So you will get a little better yield. Yeah. But, so you get like, what they say, like 42 to 1, 43 to 1. So as your ratio for gallons of sap to gallons of syrup. And I think with the reds and silvers, we're probably more like 45. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to boil more. Yeah. <laughs> we also run ours a little thinner. Like we stop it a little sooner. So it's a little waterier, but I think it has a really excellent flavor. Mm-hmm. So like I'm fine with it. Um, but it is interesting how if you had maple syrup from you know, multiple different properties, they're going to taste, they're going to taste different. So, and we also, well, we, Matt boiled burnt sap, which is not really big here, but it's huge in like Poland and the Netherlands. Yeah. I think they'll ask Scandinavia and stuff. I did it just to try it one year and, uh, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. It How was taste it? Like what you think. Was it good? It was good. I still, I still got a bottle of it. Uh, <laughs> to the, I'll just mix it with some water once in a while on a hot day. Yeah, if I'm out working, I didn't come in. Like I don't, I don't drink soda. I, don't, I just drink water. Yeah, drink coffee and water, and then alcohol drinks. <laughs> could you, uh, would could you put birch sap on like pancakes? Would you eat it that way, like the same way you would maple syrup? You could. Huh. You could. I mean, it's not. It doesn't. It's not that sweet. Well, yeah. it is, but is it's it, different. Like it doesn't have a flavor. Different. Is it yeah. Like birch beer. No, and that's. Oh, we also tried to make birch beer, but that's a whole like. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast for another yeah. day. That's, that's, um, 
We had all of our bottles explode on us. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my God. That's terrible. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh at your misfortune, no, but I could see them, the bottles exploding in your terrible. garage or your shed. Oh, no, my Lord. Now, before we move... Yeah, I ended up lighting them up because like, we had like two explode in the basement and... and <laughs> I, I had like a towel over it too in case that happened and then mm-hmm. once I knew that I, I went out and kind of let them off sacrificially yeah. it, was like, it was like fireworks poor birch beer water <laughs> it was like a salvageable fit yeah before we move too too far away from this topic you mentioned chaga syrup and we never we like really glossed over that do you guys have chaga on your trees so, what chaga is is basically it's like a, a cancer to the tree. It's a mushroom, right. but I've I've found some on the property. We do have a lot of birches. Uh-huh. I've, I've had a few trees that have had it, but he's just good at finding it. Most of it, I find it when I'm actually out just taking the house dogs for a walk, a hike somewhere, and mm-hmm. and once you know what it looks like, then you end up like seeing it everywhere. Yeah, we go he's out on like hikes. A master, like bushcrafter. Yeah. yeah, we go out on hikes all the time, and Satsu's always like, "Is that some chaga?" And always like, "Don't, don't yeah. touch it." Well, you we don't live, know what it is. We live. We've got about a hundred acres behind our house. I think that is yeah. undeveloped land, and there's a, a lot of birch trees out here. I'm sure there's some in there yeah. somewhere. Yeah, but, Matt yeah. will have to help we us. Mean, it looks like it looks like a rhino horn. It's massive. Yeah, and like I've never heard of it. But when we took our practice filling course. Uh, we took it at Vermont Tech up in, in Vermont. It's near Montpelier, which like I had never really been to that part of Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a kid taking our course who was in beer brewing college. Like that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had no idea. You can go to college to learn to brew beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he knew all there was to know about beer. And like, I really haven't been drinking beer that long. I haven't been drinking that long in general, mm-hmm. but we were out one night at a bar and they had chaga beer. And I said, chaga stout. Yeah. Chaga stout. And huh. I was like, what the hell? And they were like, Oh, it's like a mushroom beer. And I was like, why would you put a mushroom in a beer? It's like, that's insane. So he explained to me kind of what it was. He's like, Oh no, it's not like that. It's not like a real mushroom. So I tried it and my brain pretty much exploded. It, tasted like a stout at first and then it tasted like a vanilla strawberry milkshake huh and i was very confused it's when you brew it it's dark black almost like coffee yeah but it has a vanilla flavor to it like mm. wouldn't you say it's like chai of vanilla like it's i have no idea but it's like yeah like when i make the natural really came out so when i make yeah. chocolate tea or whatever you get that vanilla hint out of it and then when we made the chocolate syrup it really brought up like that vanilla yeah. taste to the maple mm. sweetness. It, it was really good. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things too. Like we only, we only do like 40 taps here. I could probably spend like 50, 60 max. So for us to just be straight maple syrup, it's probably the mo- not the most profitable thing. Like, yeah. right. So that's where you're kind of looking at. Like, all right, what else can we put in here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chaga. Make this like a gourmet maple syrup. It really yeah. is, and people didn't quite get it, but we did share this knowledge with our our friends at Baird Farm, and they actually released. It's called the Whole Woods. 
Yep. So they have chai in there and they have some other things, some spruce tips. Yeah, which is funny mm. because you talked about them being a whiskey like that. We were uh, going to call it wooden whiskey. <laughs> they should give you some royalties like from yeah. their sales. Yeah, I know. We do. We need to. I mean, we shared the knowledge with them, uh-huh. hoping that they would do it. You know, we want them to succeed. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're being <laughs> Like a hundred times, you know. Yeah. So, like, you know. We hear the same last name. They have to be related. (laughs) And you mentioned um, earlier when we first started talking about how, you know, you're throwing around some ideas about what a a CSA might look like, um, Lindsay, and you mentioned potentially, was it like um, whole meals? Farm to table. Farm to table meals. And I I watched a Facebook video recently on your um, Oak and Ash Farm Facebook page where you prepared an entire pot roast and <laughs> cooked it outside on a fire. That I thought that was very interesting actually. Well thank you. I was, you know, I'm I think this is something we both share. We're constantly we are collectors of skills. We yeah. like all we like we just are interested in learning. We're both just kind of geeks at heart and we're always trying to learn a new skill and, and learn some more about you know how things work and every time you make a mistake or you know you've got to try something new and you you know see how it works out and then you learn a little bit like making bread I've Mm -hmm. I've played with it and you know I've had some epic sales and every time you do it you learn something so we just we both just really like to learn new skills and anything that we can do with our property on our property it's just it's the thing we just are adding to our you know Adding to our personal resumes. Yeah. Nobody cares but us. <laughs> I love well, it. I think it's really interesting. Did you have to research like a like traditional cooking methods to be able to pull that off, or were you just going off the the top of your head? Like I'm gonna throw this thing in a in a cast iron pan and toss it in the fire. Like what did you? How did you? Decide? No, I, yeah. So I Matt introduced me to this is what happened. Matt does all these research things on the side. Mm-hmm. And he learns all the stuff. And then I randomly, he'll tell me about it. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then like months later, I'll be like, hey, I really want to do it. And he's like, yeah, you should find, like, watch this video. I know all about it. This is how, like, the market garden came to be. We're doing a no-dig market garden. Matt's been doing research on it for, like, two years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you can do no-dig. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so he told me about... um Jeff Townsend and Sons, it's a um, a YouTube channel that has a huge following, and he does mostly reenactments, okay. but he's, he must be a historian. He's got to be, yeah. He has to be. He's just, it's just a very nice thing to watch. And I came back from, um, I went with a friend of mine, and we did dinner in a country village at Old Surbridge Village. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was right up my alley. And it was so much fun. And, you know, we cooked over the fire and cooked in the beehive oven. And I just, that's like, I've always been kind of an old soul, my mother calls me. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just really interesting to me. I'm always looking at new techniques, but really old techniques. Like, how did people used to do this before they had ovens? Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, uh, John Townsend has these amazing cooking videos. They're really short. And he has this really cool cooking cabin and then he also has like a set up the German cottage and he did like a full meal with these two other girls and he made a pot roast over the fire and I was like I'm gonna freaking do that Mm -hmm. and 
Matt's been cooking over fire forever. Um, and I was like, you know what? I want to give this a try myself. And we were burning brush that day. And I was like, I'm going to throw a pot roast on. So I grabbed a pot roast from a lo- local farm, um, Austin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Austin Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was it Austin yeah. Brothers or was it Austin Ridge Acres? Oh, There's two different There's farms. Two? Austin Ridge. Austin Ridge oh. Acres. You should write that. Down. Is this a Hat- uh, is this a Hatfield and McCoy's type of situation? Do the two Austins hate each other? I don't know, I don't know what the deal is. I have to be honest. <laughs> okay, so Austin Ridge. Austin Ridge Acres. Austin Ridge. Um, okay. And Lonnie from Austin Ridge kindly dropped. Yep, Lonnie dropped um, some beef bones and these this pot roast that was honestly like I, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this in justice and go outside. So I like watched his video. He doesn't have a legit recipe because it's kind of just however your fire is going or whatever. And Matt is an evil scout. So mm. he knows all there is to know about cooking over fire. And we just kind of combined forces and I wrote down a rough recipe. And I mean, I made, I've made pot roast a million times. So it's yeah. just doing it over a different, you know, doing it over fire. So it wasn't that different than what I'd normally do, but mm-hmm. it was good. Did, did it take, did it, did it? Taste better? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Everything cooked over there is better. Yeah. It's interesting. And I think it brings us, when we do stuff like that, it brings us, you know, a step away from the mechanization around our um, preparation and consumption of food, like a step back towards something more primitive. Well, we pre- can appreciate, I don't know, I feel like we appreciate it more. Can I just, yeah, sorry. You, you guys came over like two years ago and you know, I got like that. It's like a South American grill. It's like an Argentinian grill. Yeah. That I have patio here. So it's like, yeah, you got to slow it down and it makes you relax because basically if you're going to cook on that thing, even if you have wood that's ready to go and whatever, like you got to start it like a, like the fire, like an hour before you want to start cooking. Because right. Yeah. You need cooking. yeah right. And then so it actually it makes you slow down and relax mm-hmm. and enjoy the moment, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And we were kind of hanging out, mm-hmm. talking, and, you know, it just, yeah, you're right. It slows you down a little bit. Yeah. Stomping Jen, you were going to say well, something? Well, just like in the middle of this pandemic, right? And like everybody, so I think there's been this, sorry, I don't mean to distract from our farm conversation, but like, you know, everybody was so busy all the time. And now we have all this mm-hmm time if nothing but time and that i think that's why people are gravitating towards things like bread making and yep. um, baking and just returning back to the basic sewing i mean i know mm-hmm. people are sewing for masks but like people are like i don't know how to sew i don't do anything so <laughs> but um but to your point like before the pandemic like there was this one commercial that we kept seeing on whenever we were watching and it was driving me absolutely bonkers. It was like, <laughs> like it was like egg in a, in a little canister that had like, it was like add an egg and it like, it had like veggies in it prepped for you that oh, you could like yeah. stick an egg in it and like, just put it in the microwave. And I was like, I would like scream at the TV. Like, why can't you just make a fucking egg? Like, what is the problem? It doesn't take any time to make an egg. Like, yeah. like chop up some like vegetables yeah. and like put them in. So there's something to that idea of like mm-hmm. slowing down and cooking and relaxing yep. and being part of the farm to table concept. And I think the other thing I want to say about farms and this pandemic, especially is this idea of going back to local foods, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, people are so reliant on the grocery store and they don't even think about where their food is coming from. And now when you can't get those items and people are looking for things. And I had a friend say to me, like, I'm spending $60 on flour. Like, who am I? You know, it's like, but it's such good quality flour. We lost them again. She's calling again. She's calling. Hi, sorry. <laughs> no, friends, hold on. We, I, I didn't want to interrupt in the middle of a Jen's lovely soliloquy <laughs> yep. there, and I was agreeing with everything she was saying, and I was like nodding my head. Yeah, so um, hung up the phone. And so, Jen, you're saying your friend, my phone keeps like hanging up. It's like you've been talking for thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. But Jen, you were saying um, your friend was saying, "Who am I?" Because I'm spending sixty bucks on flour, right? Yeah. Right, like yeah. buying local foods like getting like oh i can buy local beef oh i can buy you know local flour in my like yeah. next town over like i think it's amazing and i hope yeah. that we don't go back to just going back to like costco for everything well it's interesting i agree yeah well, like when we were we were talking about that grill so i was like telling somebody at work about it they're like looking at me like what the hell? Well, I why? spend an hour before you could even cook the taking holes. But those are the same people who want to argue with you about, like, how I don't have time for a French press or, or whatever. Like, you're like, okay, French press coffee takes like 10 minutes. It's not a big deal. Like, yeah. just pour the boil water in, walk away, do something else, and come back and, and push the plunger down. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing. Go out and light your fire. Right. Throw some wood on and. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't just grill up something on there every night, but like if it's a night off and you want to chill out, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I also I would make the argument. I mean, I'm loving this. That's the only part of this pandemic. Like, it's scary. I am terrified. I'm going to bring it home. I have this like overwhelming anxiety when I come home from work that I'm like bringing the plague into my house and I have to like strip down and get into a shower and like that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. But the part of this that I'm almost enjoying is seeing people enjoy kind of the way of life that we've been living for a while. Like we've always believed in these things yeah. and it's really wonderful to watch people slowly recognize that, yeah, I can get my stuff local and it actually tastes better and I don't mind it. Mm -hmm. yeah. The other thing too is when you compare the experience of getting like an Instacart order or shopping at Stop and Shop where they don't give a crap about you. And like I said, I ordered, I, I called up Lonnie from Austin Ridge and I was like, hey, do you have beef bones? She dropped them off at my door. Mm -hmm. People are bending over backwards yeah. to help you because it's their livelihood. When, when you're working with like a large corporation, there's nothing personal about it. It's, mm -hmm. They don't give a crap about you if you get your flower or not. Mm -hmm. But when you're getting it from Roundup Green, like, she's going to make sure you get it and you have everything you need. Like there's a personal connection there that people are slowly starting to realize, Hey, there's a big benefit to getting my stuff local and like, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. The only thing you have to realize that when you're, when you're talking about as a consumer, you have to change your expectations a little bit. So like mm -hmm. if you're talking about apples, let me put this in a context that everyone can relate to. If you're like, I only like granny Smith apples. Like, well, to do grain smiths around this area, I might have to introduce a lot of chemicals to make it the apple you want. Mm -hmm. So, right. or because it doesn't grow well here, so you might have to adjust your expectations. And 
hey, try a golden russet because that does really well here. Mm. And yeah. they're amazing. Like, you know, so it's the same thing. Like, uh, the, the peaches that grow here are cold, hardy peaches. And what do cold, hardy peaches have? The skin is a little fuzzier yeah. than yeah. what your expectation is. So, like, that's that's because it's adapted to survive in this climate. So if you're like, I can't get past that fuzzy <laughs> outer, like, okay, I can't grow a non-fuzzy peach here because right. we're in Massachusetts Zone 5. Like, it's not going to happen. So... As consumers, I think if if you want to focus on local, you got to just realize that you got to be a little open to maybe mm, yeah. stepping outside and and thinking, okay, maybe, maybe I don't get the Granny Smith apple. Maybe, I, but there's there's like hundreds of varieties of apples. Yeah. You, you'll find one you like. And yeah. like I, so I work at Trader Joe's. Um, I worked there for ten years, almost ten years, and. I see it all the time, and I feel like for the most part, Trader Joe's people are just like we have the best customers in the world. Um, and like, like Whole Foods is a whole different thing, but you always get the you know the customer who's new and they want to complain to you. And I actually heard one of the best comments I've ever heard when I first started working for Trader Joe's. A woman was complaining about the quality and the price of organic strawberries in January. <laughs> and sorry these were shitty and like i had to spend ten dollars on them oh my god and the girl working at the time looked at her and said strawberries aren't supposed to be alive right now yeah. you're gonna have to like think about that before yeah. you go complaining about it and we've right. become so accustomed to getting stuff whenever we want at the yeah. drop of a hat and eating locally and seasonally is really hard especially in new england mm-hmm. yeah but totally worth it <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and when when we when we many years back switched to primarily getting our produce from a csa mm-hmm. um, a local one called red fire farm like we had to have yeah. a conversation with our kids about how this is what <laughs> real vegetables look like right. they, they have bruises on them they're not like perfect they might have some bugs in the leaves they you come know. with yep <laughs> sometimes they come with dirt and you got to wash them and <laughs> You know, it's interesting because the, like these foods or these vegetables they sell in supermarkets, they're they're bred to be able to be transported over long distances. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they do. They select them for that. Right. Not- and they're always pretty. Yeah. And like, you know, when we're, when I want to supplement our CSA during the year and I go to yeah. stop and shop or something, like I'll just go to the, like the day yeah. old, the ones that you put in the back that they're trying to get rid of because I'm like, they're so much cheaper and like, I don't care. Yeah. But I fell in love with um, spinach all over again when I, it had must've been years since I had spinach. And it's when we first started back up at our farm, our CSA, and I mm-hmm. tasted this fresh spinach like oh my god like this has complex like layers of flavor in it it's Mm -hmm. amazing Mm -hmm. yeah anyways i had my (laughs) like we also have red fire and um Mm -hmm. i believe your daughter has picked green beans for me i've used her as child labor before that's right that's right well if you need if you need to borrow pregnant and very nauseous and she went out and picked green beans for me that she (laughs) need and i really appreciate that we will we will loan space unicorn out to you again well we'll send send both of our children because so ted like he is now our baker and our gardener (laughs) so like i don't have the patience to deal with it but i want to do these skills so i've now um 
yeah. enabled him to be able and given him all the tools necessary. And I want him to learn all of these skills. Instead that, of yeah. giving him the fish, you gave him the pole and the knowledge. Yes. Yeah. That's what you did. I have to say, like I have to say, watching, watching, um, watching the two of you do what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. All granted through the um, through the lens of Facebook, right? Like one of the <laughs> things I'm impressed with is you both have other like jobs that you do, mm-hmm. and like one of the things I think that I'm appreciating through this conversation is that you know how much of a long game, right? This is trying to. Est- get a farm up and going really is kind of in our modern world, you know, like, you know, we're not all given a deed for a plot of land. It can go work it, you know, 16 hours a day. Um, So I I think, I think that's, that's one thing I'm taking away from this is just, you know, how, how much um, planning you're having to do and you, you, you know, you do what you can kind of in and around all the other activities in your life, but you're making it happen. It's like coming together, you know, little by little. I think that's really impressive. There's a great quote that I'm going to defer to Matt about planting a tree. That's the quote. Um, the best time to plant a tree was yesterday or something. No, like <laughs> planting tree, like, like wisdom is planting a tree under whose shade you will never enjoy. It's oh, like planting for the next generation. Right. And, mm-hmm. I grew up, my parents involved me in every aspect of planting a garden. There's this picture of me. It's my favorite picture of myself. I'm probably three or four years old. So I'm probably our, our oldest daughter's age. And I have this little plastic wagon full of all of this, these vegetables and flowers that I grew. And I grew up in Sterling, Mass. Mm-hmm. Almost Mary had a lamb, Mary Sawyer. Um, and we would have the Sterling Fair and I had been the youngest entrant. Like I had been like the longest running entrant starting at like age three. And I would enter this stuff because my mom's like, she helped me grow all this. Like we're going to, you know, we're going to, you can enter it. And I would always enter my, you know, cornucopia or whatever. And I'm sitting there and I have my face painted from the fair and I'm pushing very proudly pushing my little plastic wagon with a blue ribbon on it. Mm-hmm. And I just, my parents involved me in every aspect of growing a garden and cooking and they did it because they enjoyed it. And I think that's really important. And our daughter is all of our daughters are, they love outside. Matt has initiated this thing called, um, get your, get your feet on the grass. So every night, usually like right before dinner, when everybody's kind of like, all, you know, <laughs> amped up. We bring them outside barefoot and they just run around the yard. And that's how I grew up. And I love seeing them, you know, do the same thing. And our daughter probably knows more about the wilderness and the woods and mm-hmm. what you can eat and what you can't eat than, than most adults do. Like, I know lots of people who are like, we have no clue the things that she knows. Mm-hmm. She also yeah. is convinced that she's super strong. We're, there's currently <laughs> a massive rock sitting in the middle of our yard. And I looked at Matt and said, how did a rock get there? And he's like, oh, that's Isle of Highland Rock. <laughs> she literally is so used to seeing Matt and I pick up large, heavy objects mm-hmm. that she is convinced that she can do it herself. And she does. And, like, that's pretty amazing to build that kind of confidence in a three-year-old Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what you said <laughs> about um, 
said about bare feet. I've believed this for a long time. I, I have to spend at least part of my day without shoes on because I this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> I like I do believe that a lot of modern society, including clothing, disconnect. I'm not a nudist, by the way, disconnects us. <laughs> I, I know it sounds like that's where this conversation's going, but it's not. Um, but do I really like to pee outside. I do like to pee outside, and I also <laughs> like. I also like. <laughs> I also like at least once a day to take make sure I take off my shoes and walk around barefoot for a while, like because I like mm-hmm. to feel the ground on my feet, mm-hmm. like it makes me feel alive. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's. I didn't know that about you. Didn't no. I swear I've mentioned it here <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a lot of studies about putting just putting your bare hands in the earth and what stress relieving properties it has, and everything kind of centering you. And without getting too deep in this stuff, because like you know, whatever. Label yeah. me as a be back there. Yeah. Whatever. Like we like walk the line between like hippie and like. I don't know. You know, I guess you can call us hipsters, but I hate that label. <laughs> but whatever you do, don't call us millennials because I'll like flip the table. Um, You're the people. most homesteady people I've ever I wouldn't, met. So. Uh, I, not that I would tell you this, but I, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't characterize you as hipsters. No. You don't come across that way to me. Okay, I feel better now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. I mean, I probably it's would be like a. F- I would, we, we think it's cool. It's just literally. It's what I want to do. Yeah, I'm doing it because I want to do it. Yeah, but and you're you're like, doing it. You know, you're actually doing it. Right. You're not just you're yeah. you're living. You're putting it out there to the world, and you're doing it. Yeah. So. Well, you guys raised one thing. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, okay. go, ahead. go ahead. It was like you were talking about the land and everything. It's like that's that's one thing that kind of hindered us for a little bit, and we were like apprehensive of what do we want to do here? We saw ourselves to this. Hey, we got the seven and a half acres. We're stewards to this, and basically, this land is uh, at our will. So it was like, mm-hmm. all right, we don't want to do the wrong thing and regret it later, or go and clear cut two acres and then mangle it up, or, or do something that's just not sustainable. So we, we were kind of clearing things slowly and making sure we could use what resources we were taking away from the forest and kind of. But like now, we've kind of figured out what we want to do. And these timber framing projects have, have cleared up. Like, I was like, all right, so hardwoods are great firewood. Like, I, I burn wood here. I burn, burn four cord a year to heat my house, you know, yep. supplement my heat. And uh, I'm like, what do I do with these pines? I don't want to just put them in a bonfire for no reason. So, yeah. right. Eastern white pine is traditionally a great timber framing material and that's mm-hmm. what I used for the, the maple pavilion arch and um Lindsay's got some videos she's gonna edit and post soon. I'm I'm part of the market garden. We're doing another uh timber frame project coming up here and that's gonna be all out of eastern white pine. So we everything we've been clearing is gonna go right back into building structure and then what wasn't good wood for that will be uh you know, burnable wood for out, outside or even mix in with my heating wood. Yeah. And then anything that was too small, as you talked about earlier, I, I throw it through the wood chipper and that's stuff that we just lay on our gardens and pathways and whatever. And it, it provides nutrients right back into the earth. Yeah. So that must kind be of like taking, 
everything that's on the farm goes back to the farm. That's mm-hmm. what we're trying to do. That must feel so amazing to like. Now, hopefully, this is what you actually do: is like cut down your own trees and heat your house. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what we do, you know. Yeah. And, and then uh, I'm just glad we found a use for these pines too to, to do some structures because it's like I like the pines. It's just they're not. I don't. <laughs> they're not, don't say it. No, we. So part of it too is that if I got a good use for them in the timber framing projects and and expanding the farm, we can take these pines out, and now we can change our forest to where I'm keeping my maples. Keep him some oats for firewood. Mm-hmm. I can kind of change this environment to what I want it to be. Yep. And that's part of this, like, hey, I'm the steward of this land. And it's a lot of responsibility to put on yourself to be like, okay, like, I'm responsible for what this whole seven and a half acres becomes in 10, 20, 30, 40 years. That's I right. think one of the, the biggest sort of insults and I know it wasn't meant that way but we were we were having a lot of struggle with the town and I'll, I guess I'll be careful about what I say here Just say whatever um, you want it's okay, okay. <laughs> a disclaimer. We, had a lot of struggles. we had a lot of struggles with the town um, in the assessor's office and a lot of it is we live in a town that is you know they're used to farms but farms being these big giant pieces of cleared land Right, And I think, I don't know, I'm not from this town, but I feel like a lot of the people that have the property have kept the property and, you know, keep it in the family. And it's one of those things where, oh, you're a farm, you've always been a farm, we're going to continue to give you this tax rate. Well, we are very systematically trying to make this a farm, but do it very appropriately. And one of the things they said, like, they kept saying, well, you're only seven and a half acres. Like, it was nothing. And it was almost like an insult. Like, well, that's nothing. Like, why would you even bother with seven and a half acres? Because that's, you can't even really do a farm. It's like, yeah, if you cleared right. all seven and a half acres and put in a one crop, then, yeah, that wouldn't be much. Like, you wouldn't right. get much of a yield. That's nothing to scoff at, especially when you're clearing it from scratch. And it's just, it's having to really almost re-educate people on like what a farm is, what it can be, what it should be mm-hmm. and how to do it responsibly because I'm not going to clear seven and a half acres of wood. That's, that's not effective or, or useful. And I would love 50 acres, but we don't have it. Like, come on or yeah. Like we're not going to put the yeah, yeah. plant 50 acres of wood. Like we'll leave that to have. <laughs> They're doing a good job there. We'll let them do that. So it's just, it's, it's kind of an insult, but it's also just misinformation and, and just ignorance about what you can do on that. That's a lot of land. It is. Yeah. And you, if you do it right, you can get, we have an abundance. We have like our own microclimate, our own ecosystem mm-hmm. up here. Like, it's pretty amazing what we've done on a, you know, quote unquote small piece of land and to what's small, you know, what's small to some people is, a lot of land to take care of. Yeah, Matt it, knows like this property by heart pretty much. Yeah, and if your goals are not to be an industrial farm mm-hmm. and you have, you know, more more modest personal goals of supporting, you know, like like you were saying at the beginning, like, you know, ten to twenty families, 
Like, yeah. who is anybody, including the town, to cast judgments on you for that? I think that's. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll out the sound of disapproval. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of the catalyst for this whole like. Uh, all right, we're doing the market garden because we're like, okay. You can't argue with us after that. Mm-hmm. They, they came up here. Like I went down and, and talked to somebody in, in the office there. They're like, oh, there's. You said you're doing maple syrup. We didn't see much evidence of that. I'm like, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's August. Traditional, and, yeah, yeah. And you don't have maple trees in August, right? Yeah, and we don't run lines, which large, you know, right. larger maple right. syrup producers do. You're like, oh, you're not running. You know, you walk around our property, and you could miss the Christmas trees, and you can miss the the trees that we have planted, like the baby, the, trees, our, yeah. the baby trees. You could miss our orchard that we literally have planted on the edge of the forest because that's where they would have naturally grown. Like, mm-hmm. it's been very well thought out and planned. Um, and, you know, it's to the traditional eye, it doesn't look like a farm. It looks like a house with, like, some stuff growing on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's infancy still a lot yeah. of these things, too. So as they come up, then there'll be more, yeah. more apparent. But it's kind of like, we've been looking a lot in the permaculture, things like that, and, you know, making sure everything we have kind of coexists and creates a little abundance where we, where we can. And mm-hmm. it's like, I just don't want to go... And, I have the ability to go knock down the whole forest, but I'm, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. like, right. <laughs> have you... Now, now, we had Erica Cross, who is the conservation commissioner. Not commissioner. administrator. Yeah. No, no, no. She's the administrator. Conservation no, no, she's administrator. Not the admi- Wrong. She's oh, the conversation she's the administrator. <laughs> not the commissioner. We yes. had a whole... A whole semantics about it. But anyways, yeah. we had Erica Cross on here a couple of weeks ago. Have you had any discussions with her at all? No. No. She's, no, I... She is all about, like, food forests and, like, what you're, the, some of the stuff that you're talking about is resonating with our conversation with, we yeah. had with Erica. <laughs> no, classic stop and Jen, though. Just the, plugging people in with... I know. Plug, yeah. Plug. Yeah, yeah. You are truly the ultimate. I also find you're the with connector. you... Oh, yeah. ...that I agree to things because Jen instills such confidence in you that you are sure that you can do something and you get off the phone and you go, what the hell did I just say that I was going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, have, you have made me risen to my highest version of myself and I appreciate and love you for that, but also... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I've, like, agreed to things where I'm like, yeah, I can do these things and then I get off the phone and I'm like, did I just say I was going to do? <laughs> But I'm just saying, yeah, maybe she could help frame that as a town yeah. employee to help you guys put together, you know, the information that you need. I think if anybody <laughs> would get it after talking to her, oh, like yeah. she would get it. No, for she sure. would totally understand what yeah. you guys are trying to do up there. So yeah. she would be an advocate for, for you. Huh? She works for the town? Yeah, she's our conservation yeah. administrator. Yeah. Yes. But I do what we're doing right now at the market garden and so make it basically where there's enough infrastructure and, and there's in your face farm and then, yeah. And, and we're not doing it because of that, we're doing it because we want to do it. Yeah. yeah. And we're able yeah. to into our plans. Yeah. So it's like I think next time we revisit it, they'll just come up and be like, Okay, we yeah. can't yeah. ignore this. I'm I'm cool with it. It's yeah. fine. 
You'd like her anyway, because she's pretty awesome. Maybe we can rent you fifty cows. We'll drop them on your um, <laughs> drop them on your property oh for God. when they come up to visit, and they'll they'll see all the cows sitting there and be like, "Oh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, this is a farm. This is a no, farm." Yeah. We, I think we in our hearts are both like we just want to be in Scotland. We just want to live there. I want to live there, and like we're always just like, wouldn't it be nice to just look out? just see a bunch of sheep like that would be the only thing in the world that could get us to clear all of our property mm-hmm. yeah. like something like would you like 50 sheep and we'd be like yes <laughs> yes, yes well, we would. if you need if you if you need a if you need a bearded sheep herder <laughs> sign me up i have a i have a stick i'll come up there and i'll follow your sheep around uh, you feel you like you have to have the beads, though. They're not going to take you seriously if you're not wearing the beads. <laughs> Bearded, beaded, beaded. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, the bead, the beads will be in. Um, so I had a one. I, so all right. So I, I realize we're going on an hour and a half, and I. They just introduced us to Scotland. We can oh, talk Scotland. really quickly about the distillery. Was that where you were going? Uh no. I was going <laughs> to stay on the farm. Oh, um, sorry. Just because, because I, I know. I mean, I don't, we could go there depending on wh- how they're feeling with time stomping, Jen. I was just mentioning we're at an hour and a half. Yeah. Oh gosh. We're, yeah. And I warned, we warned them we could easily, I mean, <laughs> we could, we could, hours. we could bring you back to talk about distillery stuff later. If you're interested, if this went okay for you, we could bring you back, but then we're not like glancing over it too quick. Cause like right yeah. now, if you, if the can is, Let's do a five minute on the distillery. That's yeah. kind of like the story. Yeah, because yeah, I've got I've got at least fifteen questions written here about the distillery distillery, yeah. distillery stuff. Um, yeah, that's yep, I had can one woods and farm related question. I have to ask anybody who spends time in the woods. Now, stomping Jen, you don't you don't chime in like you did with Erica Cross on what? this. I'm going to ask my question. Oh, okay. All right. Have you have you ever seen anything in the woods that you can't explain? No. Anything mm. anything mysterious, you know, like a creature. That's a question right there. Yep. I mean, I was fairly certain when you went to the fairy falls in Scotland that like there were some fairies living living in there. Mm-hmm. Um but that's just me personally. I also have a profound and Deep fear of all things supernatural. Mm-hmm. So I just <laughs> stay out of it. But Matt spends lots of time in the blood. Yeah, you, you paint with a pretty broad brush there. I don't, I don't know the context really what you're trying to say. I mean, so you have to keep on ghosts or fairies or trolls or monsters. There's certain people who are more um, conducive to those things. Susceptible to those things. Yeah. But they reveal themselves too, and unfortunately, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I haven't encountered any ghosts or any supernatural stuff. I spend a lot of time at night. It doesn't, he does. It doesn't have to be work, supernatural. Work, yeah. Doesn't have yeah, to. Yeah, work at night, and uh, yeah, I'm out in the woods a lot, so it's a little different. But. Okay, and no's, no, no is a perfectly okay answer too. I'm just curious. Um, <laughs> I think it's easy to say we both been completely at all by nature but I um, I haven't seen anything but I personally try to keep myself pretty closed off to anything that is out of the ordinary mm-hmm. <laughs> from the supernatural spectrum okay. so, so no Bigfoots yeah. or uh, Wendigos in the woods 
No, no. Okay. He's seen some pretty effed up things. One of my, one more story about the, the toad in the mouth. Oh, no. messed up story. I don't know if it's like, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just like nature is savage. Yeah. yeah. I was the, sitting one day and I was sitting up in a tree and I'm looking down and I see this little uh, toad hopping along and it, it's cold out. So obviously, like, they're moving slow that time of year. And some mouse comes out and just mauls them. And I'm like, wow, nature is savage down to its smallest being. Yeah, the mouse messed up the toad? Oh, yeah. The toad. Oh, yeah. Went out, just opportunistic shot out of a, a log and, and just mauled this. Oh, I'm I hate mice. Up in the air. But, yeah, it's just like that's, that's survival from the natural world. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do well with that part of it, which is why we have specifically chosen to not have animals on the farm. And I think that you could do a whole segment on the romantic, the romanticization of farms. You know, mm-hmm. people think, Oh, I want to have a farm in Vermont and it's going to be like, so great. And like, I love Hallmark like everybody else. But yeah. um, when you start talking about animals and keeping animals and nobody wants to see the ugly side of it. And yeah. as soon as you add animals into the, you know, into the picture, it's it's a whole nother ball game. I mean, I've seen some horrible, horrible yeah. things that go working on a farm with animals, which is why I chose not to do it. I'm not a vegan, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but I have a profound respect for animals and how it works. And yeah, it's it's pretty savage. <laughs> yeah, you have to have a high tolerance for suffering and mm-hmm. death and all of that if you're going to raise animals. I think. Yeah. Did you hear about? You know those big processing those big. There's those big farms that are out like in the Midwest that the processing yeah. plants won't, you know, because of the pandemic. Yeah. So the pig farmers are having to euthanize all these pigs and they're having like PTSD from it. It's like terrible. Yeah. It's really awful. Well, it's horrible. I all mean, all the more reason to buy local yeah. and like buy small. And I mm-hmm. feel like people, because if you are raising animals on a small scale, yeah, the only reason like, a certain X, your X number is that much smaller. So yeah. you're not at thousands of animals. So if something like this happens, you can right. absorb that and be like, okay, I'll feed this pig till this seven. I also feel like those people are going to be more caring and understanding and they're more, it's more in their face every day taking care of these animals. I also know so a girl that I went to college with, um, her family owned Adam Slaughterhouse and they're, used by a lot of small farms, like all throughout New England. Mm-hmm. And they are a certified um, humane kill, mm-hmm. if you speak. So the animal, they try to, they try to reduce the amount of stress on the animal when it's, when it's killed uh, before it's processed. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Cause the animals just transported there. The animals are transported. Basically it's like a psychological thing where they, the way the animal enters the facility. Right. Yeah. So it's nice. It's also nice to know that like most animals are going to be processed through there. And um, yeah. Lost them again. I know. I wonder if it's our phone. I don't know what it is. Mm. Should I try shutting off the Wi-Fi? I don't think it's us. No. They live more in the woods than we do. I know that sounds crazy. Hey, sorry. We've we definitely got a um, 
a connection thing going on, but we're okay. Me. Well, we should probably go to bed again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to kind of circle back to that, like, yeah. a supported, it's being that on that level and um, knowing that most of the, the farms in this area that are raising animals, mm-hmm. um, for me, are probably using them. That just made me feel better and always, all the way back to college, just kind of instilled in me, like, hey, I would like to buy locally and yeah. and support local farms, but also, like, I like that aspect of it as well. Yeah. I don't that, know if they're all using it, but it's still just a, something to think about. Yeah, and I think that's important, you know, if, you've make, if you're making a decision that you're going mm-hmm. to eat meat, you know, a small step like that can mean a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's more expensive yeah. and it's worth it. And we eat a lot less meat because it's more expensive and yeah. we just portion it out. Yep. That's true. Yep. All right, friends. Yeah. You guys. This how was long have we been? This was awesome. I told you. We could we could probably we could probably go another hour and a half with you too. So we'll get you back. No we'll, problem. And hopefully hopefully, you know, in the future, um, we can do this maybe in person when there's no more pandemic <laughs> or we'll get you on sooner and we'll do this again this way. Or we can have a, a farm to table roasted over a fire meal together. Hopefully yeah. soon. Yeah. And you guys can just sit on the other side of the fire. We'll, we'll social right. distance. The fire will burn it <laughs> yeah. all away. It will burn the virus. <laughs> yeah. Is, so is there any, is there anything people can do right now to support you all or just, you just want people to be aware that, you know, you're a, you're a, you're a you're local a local a local farm Belgium. trying to get its feet under it and doing the doing the hard work. And yeah, I think so. So things to look forward from us are Lindsay's really hitting those videos ahead and uh, really prompted me to start videotape of what I'm doing. So he's so handsome and he belongs on camera. <laughs> I think things to look forward to would be like uh, like I said, we got another. I know people loved it. Most likes ever going to add anything was a timber frame project. So yeah, we have another timber frame project coming up for the, the back end. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to try to post videos like weekly, bi-weekly or whatever. Okay. Through the summer, what we're doing to basically prepare this land for next year. And then that's where we're going to roll into, like I said, probably like we're shooting for a 10, 10 family CSA next year. Yeah. Nice. I love it. I love it. Yeah, from, from there, I mean, we, we want it to be like an experience, so mm-hmm. like we were talking all the Jews saying, uh, like a farm to table dinner. It's, mm-hmm. it's a thank you to CSA members, things like that, so yeah, we kind of want to be all inclusive, and that's kind of where we're headed up here, and yeah. booze is in the background. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, yeah, and we'll talk so about we'll that. Yeah. yeah. All right, so people, um, yeah. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. I am really struggling with trying to turn it over to the farm page instead of my personal page. But um, Instagram is where, probably where we do most of our yeah, our doing. Yeah. Our, we have Instagram TV. We mm-hmm. post um, short clips of the videos that we have on YouTube. Um, so if you follow us at um, Oak and Ash Farm Distillery, I know it's a really long handle, but um, if you just come check us out, there's just cool stuff and, and let us know what you want to see. And that's kind of what this all comes back to. That's a great way to support us. Just tell us what you're interested in. Tell us what you'd like from a CSA. Tell us, um, you know, what you like to see, what you don't like to see. 
more cooking videos, more timber frame videos, whatever is most interesting. Like we just, we want to know what people are interested in. Cool. Cool. All right. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I learned a lot. Good. Actually, Lindsay's really been prompting me. She said, uh, when this pandemic clears, I got to host like a timber frame workshop or something up here. Uh, Even if it's just a basic thing, I think we got to do it. Yep. That'd be awesome. So if you're interested from far and wide, like come, come hang and do timber frames with us. And, um, you know, Oh, just make a basic primer. Yeah, yeah. timber frame primer. So, awesome. let us know. Let us know what you're interested in. Okay. Cool. All right. Thank well, you so much. Yep. So, um, thank you. Yep. Feel free to. We're going to probably stay on and just chat a little bit more and wrap this up on our end. So, feel free to jump off whenever you want. But it was awesome to talk to you both. Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate thank it. You. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye. Yep. Bye. Well, that was fun. <laughs> what? You like have these little catchphrases. Well, that was fun. Yeah, I learned a lot. I learned so much. I didn't get to any of my questions about the distillery. I know that's okay. Yeah, no, it's totally okay. There was, I mean, I feel like I only even scratched the surface of the farm stuff too. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. Um, the last time I was there, when we picked up, when I picked up some farm maple syrup that you don't remember having, she gave me a little tour of the sugar pavilion and their no dig garden and yeah, um, the little baby pine trees and it's yeah. very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're one of the most. Imp- couples that I know <laughs> yeah just the amount of energy energy oh my I, God. I feel like such a lazy fucking comparison well you know let's talk about how we're entertaining ourselves which is not reading and researching how to do things <laughs> I just lay in fucking I vacuumed the house and I wanted to pass out right. today yeah and I was like done yeah that's okay and Every- I attached a hose to the house and I needed a nap <laughs> fucking <laughs> Can you believe that? Uh, that's just, you know. By the way, people, this is the social distance rag by our podcast musician in resident, Joshua mm-hmm. Michael Stewart. Mm-hmm. Who's I'm the so, fucking balls. I yeah. just have to just compliment ourselves that we have such amazing uh, people that we interact with in our lives that we're able to talk about all these amazing yeah. topics. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I love... I, I just, I'm so uber impressed with them. But so. Lindsay and Matt, those two, huh? Yeah, seriously. I got to give them the... Yeah. I just, I'm just blown away. And like I said, we only got to half of it. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to I talk to I feel like Ted about. is really their kid because he's <laughs> so industrious. But you know what? I want him to go intern at their house. To our credit, we give him space to do what he wants to do. This is true. Follow his instincts. This is true. Um. So how are we entertaining ourselves? Oh, nope. oh that's the lists. Mm. I gotta get rid of that. The list? Yeah. We're not gonna do lists anymore. So what are we doing? How are we entertaining ourselves? Let's see. Uh, so I was entertaining myself because we finished the album challenge. Yeah, I didn't finish it yet. I thought you did. No. You I, wanted to go till 20 or whatever. I stalled you, out on 16 or 15. That's right. Something like that. Um, but I, I went a, a l- week. I went a little further and I did um, 
artists and albums that I've discovered in the last like 10-ish years. That was fun for a week. I think I'm maxed out though on yeah. music music chat. I think you're maxed out on this podcast right now. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Well, um, it's interesting. We've become so reliant on guests in the last few weeks. It's been a long time since you and I just sat down and did one. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad. We well, we no. have now like a whole bunch of other people that want to come I on. I know. We've got them stacked up. Yeah. It's good. I mean... It's good to have a schedule. Listen, you know, one of the things when we started this, right? And this, this, this speaks a little bit and echoes a little bit about what we just talked about with the farm, right? Mm-hmm. Things grow and evolve over time and you put work into them and they take shape and you figure it out. Yeah. When I started this, you know, I think... I don't know. We talked about this with somebody on here. You know, it was going to be me and my five friends. Mm -hmm. But I realized they didn't share the same passion for this that I did. Mm -hmm. And that didn't work. And then I thought, okay, who else can I talk to? And I asked you to come on here. And despite the fact that you were on the very first episode I did. Right, and maybe that was, was I? yes, the one we did about cats. Oh, right, the cats. But maybe that was my subconscious planting a seed mm-hmm. to extend the farm metaphor. Right. Like, who's, we didn't, a, who's we didn't, the person I can talk to the most yeah. and most comfortably with? We didn't talk about it here. We were guests on a podcast recently. Oh, right. But are we there? Are we here yet? Yeah, and podcast. we'll be putting that out as a bonus episode, I think, when they launch their podcast. I think it's already out. Their podcast. No, not our episode. it's definitely not out okay yeah we will we'll have to touch base with um what is it again are we here yet? are we here yet um done by scott graves and cam that was a lot of fun we were on there for like two hours oh my god and it was really interesting being a guest on somebody else's podcast because we could freely talk as much as we want i know i feel like i talked a lot more on that one yeah that's what i mean yeah if you can believe it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, I know it's going to be hard for people yeah. to believe. So I will just say in regards to how we're entertaining ourselves, I think mm-hmm. um, we've been letting the kids stay up a little bit later. So we've not had as much energy, I think, to pour into yeah. um, our own we fini- TV viewing, watching, but we did see the Survivor finale with the kids. Yeah. Our, I mean, that's a perennial or a buy. That's a perennial favorite. Mm-hmm. Comes twice a year. Mm-hmm. Biennial. Biennial. Oh, favorite. is that I? Is that every two years? It's twice a year. Perennial. They do two seasons a year. Anyway, I love that show, Survivor. Survivor. We do love that show. I wonder yeah. if they will do Big Brother this year. <gasps> I. What I think they will. Yes. What I think they will do. Yeah. Is that they will test everybody. Yeah. And then throw them in the house. Well, quarantine them for two weeks. Test them again, and then put them in a house. Mm. That'll be interesting. That's my guess. But yeah, they better do Big Brother. <laughs> I love that show. Yeah, that's our summer favorite. Um, what else? We finished Tales from the Loop yeah, on Amazon Prime, which I fucking loved. It was pretty. It was like watching a poem. A poem? A poem. And it was haunting and beautiful and... Heartbreaking. Um, plucked all of those existential contemplations that I like. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but it was amazing oh yeah. i loved it yeah. so watch that people tales from the loop what else uh, not, not really very much else all right so we're saying thank you to some people right mm-hmm. um 
our guest last week, uh, Lisa Stahl. Now, if you're stuck at home, right, and you're getting out of shape and fatter like me, <sighs> right, Lisa Stahl does online personal and group fitness training. She's not paying us to say this, by the way. Right? So you could check her out on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Right? Lisa Stahl CPT. Just mm-hmm. on there. You'll Certified find her. personal trainer. Yeah. You've taken her classes. Mm-hmm. I love her classes. Right. You like her classes. Mm-hmm. They're good classes. They Take them. And then um, our friend. Um, yeah. So keep your body healthy and then keep your mind Keep your healthy. mind and your emotions healthy. Our friend, if you live in Western Massachusetts... Um, and you need to talk to somebody. You need to talk somebody to talk to somebody. You can talk to Amherst Psychotherapy Practice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, big, good group of yeah. therapists there to yeah. help you out. So you know, this was great. Thank you to all the farms out there, like Lindsay and Matt, doing yeah. the hard work. The so fucking that, farms. I mean, I'm. We have lived. I love farms. We have lived this lifestyle for quite some time, and I, I'm just, I'm thrilled that people are discovering. What lifestyle? Just, I mean, living by a CSA and like oh. cooking by a CSA. Yeah. And, um, you know, living seasonally, eating local. We've been doing that for quite some time, eating local. Yeah. Are those bags of um, Tostitos chips that came on the? No. Stop and shop truck local. <laughs> no, but we could probably buy some local tortillas right? and fry them up ourselves if we really, really wanted to get crazy. Would eat less of those fucking things if we did that. It's true. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, you know, issue is always that we have children and they kind of want to eat things. I know. I'm just being a jackass. <laughs> like I'm want to do. <laughs> no, but you make a good point. I think we have made a conscious decision. Um... To the extent that is practical and right. affordable, right. buy as much as we can locally. It's true. Our produce, our meat. Mm-hmm. Um, we really have tried to eschew, eschew. Is it eschew <laughs> or askew? I think it's eschew. Uh, um, I don't think I've ever heard that word um, being spoken out loud. Industrialized food where we can avoid it. Yeah, you I know. mean we only buy. The junk food, really, that's yeah. processed, mostly for the children. Yeah. Um, you know, even ice cream, we've been buying local ice cream. Yeah. Um, you know, we really, really do try to make an effort. Um, I will say, it's funny, I this, I don't know why I thought of this while we were talking with Lindsay and Matt, but my grandparents, like, my and my parents, like, they grew up in New York City. Yeah. Your fucking grandmother used to make gefilte fish in the bathtub. No. That's hardcore shit. No, no, no. That's not what I was going to say. What were you going to say? Like, Talk about local. I, I remember, like, no, because it's hard to get local produce in a city, in an urban city like that. And so they get a lot of their food from cans. Like, they're a lot of their produce from cans. Cans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I again, I mean, I feel fortunate that we live where we live and that we have local farms to choose from and i don't know what you're doing over there i'm taking selfies all right i think it's time to end this i'm exhausted he's you're taking exhausted? selfies i'm not sure what's happening i'm just trying to get a good angle here I, I don't understand. one that i don't 
look like Jabba the hipster hut with my new haircut. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay. Um, sorry, what were we saying about cans? Saying we love you. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Thanks for to all listening. the fucking first responders out there, the podcasters, the, the healthcare farmers, workers, the farmers, the grocery store workers, the bakers, the candlestick makers. That's right. All of you. All of you. We love you. Thank you. We love you. And Stomping Jen, without further ado, wait, we need a little more of this, right? As we go out. No, we're just going to, you're going to hit the button. Right. Bye everyone. We love you. Bye now. Let's talk about local for one second. This is a local podcast, right? You just like totally hijacked your ending. I know. I just started promoting it on some local community forums. I know. It's, after two years. It's a little scary. Does that upset you? It's a little nerve wracking, I have Why? to admit. <laughs> I'm in the polite community forum. I know, though. but the way that you promote it is a little strange. No, 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 no. Not that. That's in the other one. Uh, whatever. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah. Bye now. Bye now. Thank you.